As Brother Matt said, we're going to continue a series. This time we're going to talk about love and how Christians have love. You know, in the reading that was read this morning, John says that uh, God is love. And because God is love, that as Christians, we should love one another. We should have love. And when <clears throat> searching for an image that would show love, I couldn't find anything better than this. Uh, that truly is love, what you're seeing up there, Jesus on the cross. And it should give us a reason to love. He really did show that to us. And we should have that as an example and uh, sacrifice, because love can be a sacrifice, but have that sacrifice in mind when we think about other people, to love them. You know, uh, you could probably take almost every scripture, except maybe the genealogy script but passages, but you could use almost anything in the Bible to, to describe love. It's, it's all about love. And I was thinking about what to talk about. I know, I know husbands and wives are to love one another. Danny gave a great sermon recently on that. And uh, parents and children, children and parents, and your friends, you should love them. And the truth is there is a lot of love in this congregation. I know that. I've felt that, I've experienced that, and because of that, it's really easy for me to love all of you. I mean, if, if you needed something, you just had to ask, you know, because I love you all, and it's easy. That's, it's almost automatic, because I, I, I experienced that from you. And in fact, uh, Jesus said, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. So I was trying to think of a way to preach this sermon in a very useful and helpful way. And so I decided that I would spend most of the time talking about what is hard for me when it comes to love, and that is to love your enemies. And we are commanded to do that. Jesus did so in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, but I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. We're supposed to love even our enemies, people who hate us. Yeah, I'm sure all of you know someone who is kind of hard to love, don't you? There are lots of people out there that are just difficult to love. You may be thinking of one or two right now. But as Christians, we're supposed to even love them. And as John wrote in that, that scripture that was read, if we don't love, then we don't know God. That's pretty serious. And when we talk about love, we need to remember that there is more than one kind of love, and we know we know what we're talking about, which kind. There are three kinds mentioned in the Bible, there's euros, which is the kind of romantic love that uh, husbands and wives share. There's philos, the, uh, the kind of love you have with your best friend or your family, and 
And it's based on shared experiences that you've had together that's made you close and that feeling of love that you have and you share. And the third, the agape, is the one we're going to talk about. It's the one that's commanded. It's, it's not based on feelings like the first two. It's the kind of love that God had for us and the kind of love that we're to have for others. It's, it's, it's our behavior, our actions, what we do. And this is the kind of love that can be hard, and it's, uh, it's the kind of love we're even supposed to have for our enemies. Now, the first two can change with our feelings, but the third one definitely cannot. And, of course, it would be much easier to have the third agape kind of love if you already have the first two or one of the first two. Then it's pretty easy. But what if you don't? What if you just don't feel it? That's why God commanded it. It is a command. You have to love anyway, even if you don't feel it. And in, and in fact, this is what Jesus said is the greatest command of all, to love God and to love your neighbor. And, and when someone asked Jesus what, what the most important command, that's what he said it was. And in Luke chapter 25, we read about a lawyer that asked Jesus, what do, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to have eternal life? Now remember, this was still under the Old Testament, the, uh, the Mosaic Covenant, the old law. And being a lawyer, he should know. So Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So it says he, he wanted him to justify himself. It's, who exactly are you talking about? Who is it that I'm just going to have to love? And I can imagine maybe he was thinking, you know, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my family. I even love the guy next door that I go fishing with. I love all these people. Maybe I'm already obeying this command. You know? Let's see. So in answer to his question, Jesus told him a story. He tells him this story about this man who was having a very, very bad day, a horrible day. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is about a 15-mile walk. And as he traveled along, these thieves, robbers, lay in wait for him. And they came out of nowhere and they attacked this man and they took everything he had. They even took his clothes. And then they beat him. They started beating on this guy and they beat him bloody and nearly killed him and left him for dead lying on the side of the road. And sometime later Jesus said, this priest came by. 
And the priest sees the man lying there on the side of the road, all bloody and beaten. But he keeps going. He doesn't stop. He doesn't help this man. And I don't know why. I'm sure he was probably busy. Maybe he had an appointment he was late for. He had places to go, people to see. Doesn't say why, but for whatever reason, he didn't stop and help. And then later Jesus said a Levite came by. And he goes and he stops and he looks at him. And he sees this man. But he didn't stop and help him either. He didn't do anything for him. You know, maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was afraid that whoever did that to him was still around. And he better get out of there. Or well, maybe he thought, surely someone else will come by and help him. I mean, there's people come along. Someone's going to help this guy. I don't need to. You know, if there's something I don't want to do, I can come up with excuses all day long. I can think of all kinds of reasons. For whatever reason, he didn't stop and help him either. But then Jesus said, a Samaritan came by. Now, a Samaritan was a foreigner. And he stopped, and he sees the guy. And he had compassion on him. He loved him. And he helped him. And Jesus said he bounded up his wounds, put him on his own donkey, and takes him to an inn, and there he takes care of him. And then he gives the innkeeper money so that he would continue to take care of this man until he was better. And he told him, whatever you spend more, I will give you when I come back. Just take care of this man. And so, after he finishes the story, Jesus asks the lawyer, he says, which one of these three was a neighbor to this man? The lawyer said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So Jesus said, this is how we love our neighbor as ourself. Now, if we are hurt, we help ourselves, right? If you get hurt, you're going to take care of yourself because you love yourself, obviously. You're going to feed yourself, you're going to take care of yourself, you're going to do what's best for you. He says that's how you love your neighbor, as yourself. You love people. Not because they love you. But God is love, so you love. Now, what's amazing about this story to me, mostly, is there was a Samaritan that Jesus picked to be the neighbor because Samaritan and Jews are enemies. They don't like each other. They don't, definitely don't love each other. There's no love lost between the Jew and the Samaritan. In fact, if, if a Jew is making a long journey and the shortest way is through a Samaritan land, they'll take the long way around. They don't like each other. And so I think that was the point here, that even your enemies, you need to love them because that's what's commanded. And I know it's hard. I know it is very hard to love people that hate you. 
It can be hard to love people who annoy you. So how do you do it? How do you love people who hate you? I mean, we all know how, obviously, but the point is how do you become motivated to do that? How do you, how do you want to do that? Especially in the heat of the moment when people are making it quite obvious that they don't have any desire to care about you whatsoever. How do you love them anyway? Well, if the Bible says that God is love, and I think he's pretty well demonstrated that he is, if that's the case, then I think we should look to him for the answer. How did he do it? How did he love his enemies? What did he do? Well, there's a word, it's called sympathy. You all probably know what sympathy is. It's when you have, when you have pity on someone, when you feel sorry for someone, when you grieve for someone, that's sympathy. But there's another word that's almost like sympathy. It's called empathy. Empathy is different. Empathy is when you truly understand what someone's going through. When you can feel the feelings that they're feeling. When, when you actually can walk in their shoes, so to speak. You know, God didn't just set up in heaven feeling sorry for us. He didn't say, you know, it really is sad that all those people are going to hell. He wasn't just grieved. He had empathy for us. So much so that he literally came and walked in our shoes. He became a man just like us, and he felt what we feel. He was tempted like we are tempted. He lived like us. He felt the same feelings, and then he gave everything he had to give us what we need the most, which was grace and mercy. And you see, that, brethren, is how you love. It's how, it's how you love people who even hate you. You know, you choose to empathize with them. You say, why are they acting like they are? What is going through their lives right now that's making them be like they are? What experiences have they had that caused them to be like they are? You know, what, what influences has been in their lives that have caused this, has, has made them like they are, if you can understand that. And more importantly, how would I react if I had the same things happen to me that just happened to them? 
If I went through the same experiences that they went through, how would I react? And if you can do that, you can love anybody. You know, if you'll practice this, intentionally practice empathy. Understanding where people are coming from and why. I think you'll be motivated to love them more and obey the commandment of the Lord like Jesus did. You know, there's, there's an awful lot of hate in the world right now. You see it in a lot of places. I see it especially on the internet. People are so divided and there's so much hate. And it's really easy to want to just pile on whoever the current enemy is that we all agree is bad and just join in on that. That's easy to do. You know, it wasn't a whole lot different in Jesus' day. You know, back then the common enemy was the tax collector. But everybody hated him. The Bible talks about this and he talks about these tax collectors a lot and because they were the enemy. And the Bible tells of one such tax collector, tax collector named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus would collect taxes for the Roman Empire and he would add a little extra for himself. And at this time, this was like at the height of Jesus' popularity right now. He was really popular and he was, he, was, he was going through Jericho and these crowds and mobs of people were just surrounding him. And everyone was trying to reach out and touch Jesus or talk to him. And he was just surrounded by these mobs. And Zacchaeus, the tax collector, was short. And he couldn't see Jesus. So he climbed up in a tree so he could see him. And guess who Jesus chose to spend the day with? Who did Jesus go to his house and see? It was Zacchaeus. And the people didn't like that. You're going to see him? You know, he would, he'd become rich off of other people's misery. He would collect the taxes, which were already burdensome. And then he would add a bunch for himself to every bill. And that really hurt the people. So if there's one person, if there's one thing that everyone agreed on is, is this Zacchaeus was a bad guy. But he was up there in the tree looking for Jesus and Jesus loved him. He loved him anyway. And you know this act of compassion changed Zacchaeus. It changed him. He, because of this act of love, Zacchaeus gave half of everything he had to the poor. And then he said, if I've taken anything wrongly from anybody else, 
I'm going to give it back four times what I took. No, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus knew that everyone hated him. But this simple act of love changed his life and changed him. Now that didn't mean that Jesus approved of his stealing, but he, just that he loved him. And you know, you might be able to do the same thing for someone else. If you're willing to love your enemies, you might find someone that is hated and are acting the way they are because no one has really loved them before. You may be the one that loves them and changes their life. If you're willing to go out on a limb and love someone that everyone else hates, you know, you can give someone the opportunity to change like Jesus did. If you're willing to not follow the crowd, the crowd of hate, and just love people anyway. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, he says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? Maybe, maybe if you're having a hard time loving someone, maybe it's a sight problem. Have you ever thought of that? Maybe. You're not seeing people like Jesus saw people. In John chapter 8, we read how Jesus was teaching in the temple. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something to which accuse him. And so when they said this, Jesus bent down and he started writing on the ground. As if he didn't hear them. And they kept asking him and pestering him about this. What do you say about this woman, Jesus? So finally Jesus gets, stands up and he says, He among you who does not have a sin, cast the first stone. And then he bent back down and started writing on the ground. And of course this had the effect that Jesus knew he would. One by one, all the accusers started to leave. Till finally the woman was left alone, standing there with Jesus. Jesus gets up and he sees no one there but her. And he says to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? 
Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, what did the what did the Pharisees and the scribes see when they looked at this woman? They saw a sinful woman, of course. But they also saw someone who they could use. They saw someone who could give them what they wanted, which was to try and trick Jesus into saying something that would condemn him. Pretty much all they saw is someone they could get something from. They didn't love her because that's all they saw. What did Jesus see when he looked at this woman? Jesus saw a sinful woman for sure. I'm sure he also saw a woman who was scared. A woman who was afraid she was about to be stoned to death. A woman who desperately needed and wanted to be loved. And so Jesus did. He loved her and he had mercy on her. And he gave her what she needed and told her what to do, told her what she had to do. And when Jesus looked out at the multitude of people, he saw sheep that needed shepherd. And when Jesus was being crucified, and he looked down on the cross at all those people that were killing him, that hated him. You know what he saw? He saw people that had no idea what they were doing. And he prayed to God to forgive them. What do you see when you look at people in the world? Do you just see people who can give you stuff you need? Or do you see people that so desperately need love? They want it and they need it. And they need mercy, just like you. That's what Jesus saw. In order to love like Jesus, you have to see like Jesus. You need to see people like Jesus saw people. Try to see the good that's possible in people see beyond all their faults because that's what God did for you. He saw beyond all your faults and he gave you love like you needed anyway. Maybe maybe if you can love people like Jesus loved people. Maybe if you can love people this way, maybe you can tell them about Jesus. Maybe you'll want to tell them 
about your hope. And maybe they can be saved like you. Now I can go on and on and on talking about love. Love is a very broad subject. But the things I've said this morning have been things that are hard for me. And so I hope something I've said has been useful to you. There's one last thing I want to talk about then. You know, sin. Sin can be so discouraging. Just when you think you've got it all under control, you've got it figured out, it's all good. You can be overcome by temptation and sin. And you can start to think, well, there's no way God's going to love me now. I've gone too far. I've used my last get out of hell freeze card and that's it. There's no more. No more mercy for me. You can thank that because sin can be so discouraging. But there's something I remember when I start to feel that way. And it's in Mark chapter 5. And it tells in Mark chapter 5 about when Jesus found a man who was possessed by demons. And there's some parallel between demons and sin. It's, there's a lot of things you can go into there, but he was tormented day and night, all day and all night, just by these demons that just tortured him. And Jesus commanded, he ordered the demons to leave this man. And the demons begged Jesus, please, please don't send us into the abyss. Send us into these swine, these pigs that were nearby. And Jesus said, okay. Go. You're free. It's just hard to me, for me to grasp the fact that Jesus had mercy on demons. He had mercy on demons. And if Jesus can have mercy on demons, don't you think he can have mercy on you? Don't you think his love is big enough to have mercy on you? He loves you. He loves you so much. And in response to that love, all that he asks is that you love one another. Love people. Love everyone. Because that's what Jesus did. So that's my thoughts for this morning on love. I hope, as I say, something's been useful to you. I'm going to sing an invitation song now, and if you have a spiritual need, please bring it before the congregation now. Sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.